Hello, and welcome to episode 32 of the Venture Games Podcast. I'm Chris Quaidu, a venture partner at Griffin Gaming Partners, one of the leading gaming-focused VC firms, and content acquisition lead at Andreessen Back Carry First, the leading African mobile games publisher. Today, I'm excited to introduce my next guest, Arseny Labadev, co-founder and CEO at Original Games. Hey. So to kick things off, you know, for those folks out there who are less familiar with you, can you just walk us through your background leading up to Original Games? Yeah, yeah, thanks. So yeah, right now at Original Games, I started in tech very early. I think even even like right when I started college, I'm from New York area. So always kind of in the tech scene and like, you know, I was a nerd before it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> You're from the you're from the East Coast too, right? Yeah, yeah. So I was always hanging out with these like tech guys, and you know, I started working at Make Magazine. That was my first kind of professional experience as as an intern, and it's cool because I I worked with Bree there, who later started MakerBot. He was CEO there, mm-hmm. and so I kind of started with that while I was in college. I even helped organize a couple kind of tech security conferences, things like that. And then it was funny because the way I got into games, I guess it, it kind of shows how proactive I am as a current CEO. So my girlfriend at the time was at a job fair and there was some guy from Large Animal Games there. So she gave her resume and then told me, hey, I met this cool company and like they made games in New York. And then <laughs> so I said, can you go there? Can you like take the job? But then go there and just give them my resume. <laughs> so she did that. And then I had a very funny kind of lunch interview. And that kind of started me in games at, at Large Animal Games. It was a casual indie developer. I didn't know what casual games were, but they had a rule where, you know, if you get invitation to speak at an industry event, they would pay for it. So, of course, mm-hmm. you know, I was like a college student. So I was like, wow, I get to go somewhere. So... After attending Casual Connect and, and, you know, leading a panel on social games, that was back back when social games were a thing on mm-hmm. Facebook. I thought, hey, this is like, I think I can fit in with these weirdos. <laughs> and uh, it kind of started from there. So Large Animal Games, I was there for a little while. Right after college, I had an opportunity to work with my family that was mm-hmm. outside of games. I was selling polysilicon wafers. It's a component for like photovoltaic cells. Mm-hmm. So so solar energy. So I did that for a few years, but it really like I, I was doing BD basically for these components and the, the deal sizes are really big. So I think like the first contract I put together was like $75 million. Yeah. So and I was just out of college. So it was like it was a great experience working for a family is not a great experience, but it was a great mm-hmm. like business experience. I mean, I got to travel a lot. So like folks that are just getting into like professional life traveling like extensively into weird parts of the world really kind of set me up also as a future entrepreneur and all that. So after photovoltaic stuff, I met a co-founder and I started Cygnus Labs. It was a, it was a mobile and social at the time kind of outsourced development company. And the reason it happened and the reason I left the solar stuff was, you know, I remembered already making a lot of contacts through my work at Large Animal and I wanted to get back to it. But the so the opportunity was great. It was like there was a company called Oberon Media that was shutting down their St. Petersburg, Russia studio. Mm-hmm. So I was able to kind of take that 
team. I think it was like 20 or 30 people. And it was great. Like Zynga was our first customer, Zynga and iWin. So that was really my first foray into games. And that lasted for a couple of years. So I, I really, you know, at a, at a young age, again, like I think I was 25, 26, I, you know, was essentially a founder at a little studio. We did a lot of really cool stuff. We had Disney. I, I, made, I made a game with Activision. We eventually sold that business to EPAM Systems, which is mm -hmm. like the total opposite of an, <laughs> an indie anything, right? So, yeah. so EPAM is, is a publicly listed, like massive outsourcing company, all mm -hmm. tech. I was around 30 at the time. So I, I guess I had a quote unquote exit, mm -hmm. but I learned a lot about enterprise and kind of the merits of what a giant company is. You know, like, I think it's like 50,000 people or something now. Yeah, um, it's huge. Yeah, and, and I was like, you know, I was... No, I wasn't number two or three in in the, in the circles, but I <laughs> yeah. had direct access to the CEO and mm -hmm. to, to kind of the folks around him. And that was really good. <laughs> However, I only lasted, I think, a year and a half. I think a lot of folks that are just incredibly proactive have a hard time sometimes fitting into a kind of a rigid behemoth. So mm -hmm. I was able to join Machine Zone to work on kind of outside the, the core product, but it was like on the marketing side. But again, it's like, this is a massive organization mm -hmm. focused on a couple of products, a small portfolio, extremely profitable. And like, how do you grow a product like that? And, you know, made a lot of good relationships and saw a lot of just like, not what you think marketing is supposed to be. Yeah. Right. So it, it's like money isn't an issue or whatever. Mm -hmm. so, so kind of like getting back to uh, uh, original games around the time when MZ was folding and, and, you know, they were acquired by Apple oven, but that was, that was after my time. Um, I was thinking, what do I do next? And kind of met the founders of original games. And we decided to do kind of this hyper casual studio. The idea was always this hybrid casual thing, which is mm -hmm. now all over the news. It's like, yeah. <laughs> it's old news guys. We, the, the thesis was let's start small. Let's start making little games. And then kind of, if we get something that, that works on early metrics, turn that from a hyper casual into a, into kind of a bigger game. And that's actually what happened with, with Merge and we can talk about it. I, I think the other thing I wanted to mention that I don't think you know about me is like, <laughs> at heart, I'm like an artist, I guess, yeah. more of like a business person. But I mean, artist is, is it just like, I'm, I'm just, I just want to do cool stuff. <laughs> and that, that ends up being like entrepreneurial opportunity finding stuff. A couple of years back, I, I invested into a couple nightclubs. Oh, really? clubs, but like but like music venues yeah um in russia because this scene there the, there's a really big music scene and it's like i don't even like music but i like interesting people <laughs> and that was kind of a, a, the best way to to meet other people that aren't burdened by like corporate life i guess mm -hmm. so we, we even did a summer music festival i think that was uh, <laughs> last summer that was really interesting and, and i'm getting old too so i actually <laughs> most of it but th that was interesting and and you know unfortunately because of the you know, the, the, the conflict in Eastern Europe, that's all on pause. But yeah, I mean, I hope that kind of painted a picture that I'm not just this like weird <laughs> casual game guy. Just no, definitely. Guy. That's really interesting. I actually didn't know that, that you were previously a music industry guy, but that's pretty interesting. Yes, um, I hope to return to it. <laughs> yeah. So, you, you know, you, you mentioned the conflict, you know, we don't have to get too much into it. everyone in the world you know at this point hopefully all my listeners are well aware of what's going on you know, obviously very tragic a lot of people are impacted and you know you mentioned 
you spent some time in Russia. I know you had some employees and a lot of revenue for your business impacted by yeah, yeah. the region. Despite that, you know, you you sort of pulled your business through all of these challenges and you were able to navigate this like impossibly difficult challenge. So what was that experience like for you? I'm sure <laughs> the last couple of years were pretty chaotic for you. Yeah, I mean, so just, I mean, where to start? So on my notes, my comment was this, <laughs> this was a fucking nightmare. And that's all I said. <laughs> uh, so, so, so folks that aren't familiar with original games, like, so we, we have Merge In is, is our primary mm-hmm. kind of number one game. And we acquired another game in, in December. We can, we can discuss that. But, mm-hmm. but I mean, this game is, is grown. I think we had 5 million installs last year alone for it. Uh, it's a, it's a casual merge game. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think it's, I think it's very unique. Uh, it's merged too. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a lot of interesting elements, but yeah, a lot of our uh, development staff was in Russia and we, you know, last basically a year ago, late February last year, we made the decision to, to move. Mm-hmm. And what, what does that mean when you're <laughs> like, uh, when you're a 25 at the time person company, right? Like I suddenly, I mean, so we had to pick a place to move very quickly. The reason there was time pressure Mm -hmm. was Russia was getting under so many sanctions that like Mm -hmm. every day, like a new bank would stop working or something. And that was at first it was it was kind of funny. But then it was like, wait a second, like you can't just go to a different country and open a bank account. And and mind you, the, the, the company itself is it's European. Yeah. We have like our, our, our companies in Europe and then, you know, we had, we have staff in Europe and then we had some staff in, in Russia and I was always between the U S uh, and Russia. Mm-hmm. I'm ethnically Russian. So, or, you know, my background's Russian. That was very difficult. And we quickly made the decision to, to kind of spend the next few months uh, relocating as many people as are willing to leave Russia. Ideally we would move kind of core and key employees to Portugal. Portugal is really friendly with kind of remote work, mm-hmm. nomad work, meaning that, you know, if you if you are working for a global company, the, the country is very welcoming f- from the immigration. I mean, Portugal is super welcoming, which yeah. is really nice. Mm-hmm. Everybody speaks English. So it's a, it's a great place to to immigrate to. And any any folks listening that want to get more info, I have become like a tax lawyer, <laughs> an immigration lawyer in, in, in Portugal. And I yeah. think we, again, we had to make the decision quickly. And we looked at kind of all the tech hubs financially and kind of culturally and Portugal just seemed to be overall kind of the best fit. And we had to make that decision very quickly. So, so that, that was very difficult. And, and we can talk more about kind of mental health later, but yeah. um, we had other problems. So we, because, because uh, you know, we have some Russians all of a sudden, some of the banks that we're working with are like, Hey, Hey, what's going on over here, guys? Mm-hmm. Who, who is this guy? <laughs> Can, uh, let's, let's do the KYC over again. And, yeah. and while we're doing KYC, we'll, we'll block all your money. So that became, uh, that was a nightmare. So we, mm-hmm. we had our, our, our money kind of stuck for a while. And then tr- the third tragedy, our, one of my co-founders got really sick with a post COVID condition mm-hmm. and like, he was out like yeah. he, for, for, for months he was out. He, he, he was, he was not, uh, not well. And then a lot of that burden kind of went to me. And anyway, it was, it was a tough until like Q3 was, I don't even remember anything. I just remember it being terrible. But then we sort of got out of it. It, it goes to show, you know, how tight we, we as a, the, the company culture was. So I'm very, I'm very happy that mm-hmm. we pulled through. And I also, I think, learned a lot about fundamentally what, what a person needs to kind of not go completely crazy, lose yourself in, in your rat brain, you know, but, but otherwise like kind of 
you mentioned, you know, I don't we I don't think we had that much revenue coming out of mm-hmm. like CIS region. So so yeah. you know, Belarus, Russia, uh, Ukraine. I don't think we had a lot of revenue coming out of it. But again, it was like, hey, probably like five five to eight percent. Yeah, it just disappeared overnight. <laughs> and then you have these the users like, hey, why can't and why does nothing work in your game? Uh, the, the reviews coming in, which is un- really freaking unfortunate. And mm-hmm. I can, I don't know what to do to to fix it. I think we just have to wait, or or I don't know. So. That that was kind of really unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you know, and I, I know you wanted to focus on <laughs> more interesting stuff than just the business. So I will ask some more questions about the business, but just yeah. to continue along this line, right? So you, you know, you mentioned like obviously this was a very stressful and uncertain time for you, but you were able to prevail, and the business is in a great point now. But I know you wanted to talk a little bit about like what this period, how it impacted your mental health and some advice that you have for folks just in the startup world in general, right? Like being a founder, I don't know from experience, but from conversations I've had with folks is extremely stressful and can be extremely emotionally taxing. So I just wanted to to hear your thoughts on that. You know, one day when, when I uh, work at an M&A company um, or whatever. <laughs> I can I can write like blog entries on this, but I, I think, so I started, like I said, I started with my own company when I was like 25, essentially, mm-hmm. right? And and we were doing, you know, under a million a month in revenue, but mm-hmm. it was still, it was still like, if I, if I mess up, like I, I'm kind of taking care of some people, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think the thing I learned was like, just don't don't have any expectations on anything. And I think that works in sales. And like, you know, Chris, you're kind of a salesman, right? So like, yeah. you know that a majority is like rejection, constant yeah, rejection. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and, I, and I think one of the, one of the takes, so okay, like, so constant rejection is a good example of like the, men, the mental stress that you have to be used to. Mm-hmm. But then how do you combat that, right? So for me, it's, it's kind of about control. And mm-hmm. if I can if I can control myself and understand that like, Hey, this is okay. I'm going to get, you know, 10% ROI on all these, on all these calls. That's Mm -hmm. fine. Then you have to think to yourself, how, how hard do you have to push people? Because Mm -hmm. if you, if you push too hard, you're going to, you're going to like burn a bridge or whatever. But the point is you can, you can control certain things there. What, what gets really messy is when everything is, is out of your control. So in, in my case last year, it was like, you can't, I can't send money anywhere. Like, yeah. I, and I'm not even a criminal. I'm just like, I'm just <laughs> here, you know, yeah. I'm existing. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden this person who is, who is my age and great health disappears. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of my, like, he was my other half at, at work. And it's like, he's gone. Mm-hmm. So all of this, all of these protections that you thought were there, all of your armor and, and stuff that you thought would protect you and whatever, it's all disappeared. And that's when you really have to dig into yourself. So I think what I wanted to mention though, is that I started to notice this like rat brain stuff. So, so like, <laughs> you know, people are, you know, if you believe in evolution, I hope you do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I do. Viewers out there questioning that, I do. So, um, we all like our ancient, ancient, ancient background, you know, is, is much more primitive. And mm-hmm. I think like under extreme stress, those traits will prevail. Mm-hmm. And I, I found myself, especially last year, like snapping at everyone much more than usual. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's like, it's almost like I'm backed into a corner mm-hmm. and I'm questioning who is loyal to me. But like, I'm talking about like my mom, mm-hmm. my wife. At some point I took a step back and I'm like, okay, you know, I have to, I have to 
do something like mm-hmm. with 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 my mentally what's going on. And I'm I'm actually I'm actually very good with like inner dialogue. And I, and I think that's actually like another solution. So a lot of folks recommend seeing a psychiatrist mm-hmm. <laughs> through my, I don't know, through, through the bullying or whatever that happened to me in, <laughs> in high school, that inner dialogue was always going mm-hmm. and that kind of saved me. So the, the few times I did talk to a psychiatrist and this is for folks that, that are just aren't into it. So mm-hmm. the psychiatrist just told me the same stuff that was in my head. Anyway, <laughs> right. So I, there was a lot of this kind of meditation about just, going through what's going on and, mm-hmm. and being like, why are you reacting this way? Like, okay, fine. You know, you'll lose your business, but you'll still be alive and you yeah. can keep going. Whatever it was, you know, whatever you have to tell yourself. I think that's kind of one thing. It's all about, for me anyway, and maybe fo- maybe pro- other proactive folks, it's all about control. And, and you just have to talk to yourself that you mm-hmm. aren't really losing control or you never even had control, but whatever you need to rationalize. Because what is the alternative? The alternative is it's just, you know, Fox News and scrolling. Like you're going <laughs> to be looking at these half true or not even truths. You're just looking at junk. You're, you're eating potato chips. Yeah. Uh, you're eating Doritos. But, and, you're, and, and you're thinking that like what's happening is, is what's really happening. But mm-hmm. you're so deluded that you're going to start making decisions that just don't make any sense. And eventually that's going to whatever success you've had, you, you'll lose. And, and thankfully, I, I, I guess I, I kind of weathered it and I helped my my senior team kind of get through it. But I mean, it's it's interesting that uh, even imagine you have to pick up everything mm-hmm. uh, and move like everything. Uh, I just bought a, an apartment in Russia in February, last February. So mm-hmm. I had to like just leave it it's still there. Like <laughs> if anyone needs a place to live in Russia, I can, <laughs> let me know. It's It's just like if you have no home. All that stuff that you, you know, were hoarding your whole life—that's all yeah. gone. Mm-hmm. That's a that's so you. That's another thing that you can't fall back on. And then if you start biting and, and barking at your loved ones, that's even worse, right? So I never thought that mental health was a big thing, but after last year, I, I realized that, like, yeah, sometimes you need to. I mean, I'm not good at vacations. I don't. I don't mm-hmm. like doing vacations, but uh, I just like taking, you know, I just like taking hours off instead of weeks but yeah sometimes you really just need to unplug from from everything so that it's it's very tough and and again like if there's any listeners out there that want to that are going through some some shit <laughs> happy to uh not recommend the psychiatrist <laughs> and so i actually have a, a follow-up right so you know as gaming has gotten bigger you know i think for a while it's been pretty well known that like in tech you know there's like all these crunches and a lot yeah. of like stressful situations as gaming has gotten bigger. I think there's been a bit more coverage about that within gaming. There's been some pieces on, you know, cultures at certain big gaming companies, et cetera, et cetera. And recently some gaming CEOs have said they're moving to things like four day work weeks or yeah. six hour work days, things like that. Are those things that you have considered given your stance on this stuff? Well, so, okay, here's my stance. And again, this is just my opinion. And mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm, I'm a dummy, whatever. <laughs> so I, I'm not a fan of remote work. And mostly because when you're in an office, there's a lot of things you don't need to kind of think about. Because there, there's a person whose role it is to make sure that the table you're sitting at is not going to, you know, give you back problems. Right. You know, I, ideally, right? Mm-hmm. But then when you're at home, it's like, those are not extra things you have to think about. You're just like, mm-hmm. well, here's a table and whatever. <laughs> So I'm not a fan of it because of that, but it was interesting that because we were so strong on COVID when, mm-hmm. when that was happening, we developed a more kind of remote friendly thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, I'm okay with kind of folks working 
remote one or two days a week. I don't see a problem with that. I just think that this stance that a lot of companies are taking, like no remote work or, oh, you know, remote work, whatever you want. I think that's that's losing a bit of discipline. And going to an office is discipline, right? Like there are certain steps you need to do to go to an office. Like you can't be in your pajamas. <laughs> I've actually started wearing a proper at-home work outfit, which is like a blue overalls and a red sweater. I'm not wearing it now, but, and I have this cool red hat. I got a a mustache for for anyone that doesn't know what I look like. In in any case, so my approach to crunch, to kind of get back to what you're saying, my approach Mm -hmm. to crunch is like, don't do it unless you really need to. We've never really had any crunch time, but we've had like, can you just get this done today, please? Mm -hmm. Type things. You know, those are silver bullets that I use sparingly. Like we had, when, when we bought merged them, we had one tech problem. And like, mm-hmm. that was like, we, there was sort of a crunch there to try to fix it. <laughs> but, but if like, if all you do is shoot your silver bullets, like that's yeah. a problem. Mm-hmm. You're going to wear your people out and they're just going to stop performing, you know, at, at a level, at any kind of level. And, and it's like, keep in mind, like you have equity and maybe, maybe some of your senior folks have a little bit of equity, but like, that's not enough to, to destroy themselves over. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and don't and don't fool yourself into it and don't fool yourself into thinking that you can wear these folks out and, and then just hire new ones like what yeah. what do you live in like what planet is that <laughs> all right cool so i'm gonna shift gears back to talking about merge it might be boring to you but i i, I love yes. merge games like yes. genuinely you know this isn't like a line for the podcast like legitimately i really love merge games my per- first got into merge games you know a couple years ago just like through work and i know i'm definitely not the target demo like by any means for a merge game but interestingly i got like pretty hooked to a couple and one thing that i've seen yeah i don't think it's like a secret right like everyone in the industry knows that really good merge games tend to have really, really strong retention. And I think a lot of both large and large companies and startups saw this retention and they're like, oh, wow, this is like the next thing. Let's like throw a bunch of money at this and try to build merge games. But one problem that a lot of folks ran into was even if you can build a merge game that has really strong retention, in many cases, a lot of these didn't monetize. So you saw a lot of merge games or merge game companies try to raise funding when they had the retention metrics and then they tried to monetize and quickly realized that, you know, whatever they were doing didn't scale. Yes. So one, what is it about merge games that causes this problem in that you can get really, really high retention, but not high monetization. And two, how are you able to scale merge in given this sort of phenomenon? Sure. So I mean, I'm happy to talk. I, I love games. So I'm happy to talk about this. I just yeah. don't know if, you know, your investment bank friends that listen to this <laughs> care. But but in any case, I'm glad you like Merge. And, and sure. for me, you know, I love puzzle games. And mm-hmm. I never looked at Merge as like a, a separate category. Mm-hmm. But I, I, it sort of is because the way that the way that players look at it, like our players are, are, are more are not really gamers or they, mm-hmm. they are gamers, but they're not, you know, they're not sitting playing Harry Potter for like 75 hours or whatever right, it was right. I did this weekend, right? <laughs> so retention is strong. I think that unlike match three games, th- there's a lot of exploration value. And, and I think that kind of casual puzzle players are also explorers, just, you know, a majority also like that. So mm-hmm. as you start merging, 
you're kind of there's this exploration piece and a collection piece. You know, even if the game doesn't have any formal collection mechanic, you're still unlocking all these kind of interesting things. And, and I think that's actually one of the things we do really well in Merge In. Individual tiles have a, have very a lot of logic, and we spend a lot of time. We're, we're like I don't know how many items we have now, but we have over 300 levels. So mm-hmm. like that's a lot of <laughs> kind of tiles. So it's very interesting to grow that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also why uh, Mergen has been, you know, fairly successful without having a big meta. So <laughs> why is monetization a problem? So I think the biggest problem is you can't lose. Mm-hmm. It, it, there's no, there aren't levels. Like all the all the levels you see in these Merge games, and, and I'm sure you've played them, are yeah. all kind of mm-hmm. artificial. You're yeah. not really changing anything. You're just, you're solving these goals and you're moving forward. I've seen new games that are trying to address different things i unfortunately haven't found a solution mm-hmm. that's better than kind of what we're doing to, to try to improve it so i think the challenge with monetization is you can't you can't give lives yeah you know hey you just lost keep keep playing uh whatever <laughs> you have to find kind of grindy monetization and that's always a challenge so one of the things that i think we had success with we started kind of we call it clubs but it's like clans mm-hmm. very quickly and we've been leveraging that because it looks like folks that are more engaged tend to pay and they tend to be engaged with our, our social system. Mm-hmm. So what we're doing now is creating, <laughs> we're creating experiences that essentially that you can lo- where you can lose. Yeah. And then finding ways of monetizing where, you know, at, at the right moments. And I mean, this is, this is going to be not a struggle, but this is a challenge for this year is definitely improving that. But I, I think one of, the, one of the nice things that we have is we have a decently working game that doesn't have a big meta. We just don't have the cash flow to kind of spend at such a deep break even, you yeah. know, over a year. We're 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 trying to spend at less. Things are more predictable and and kind of uh, from a cash flow point of view, we can we can manage. And then like I guess your question about like well how do you scale? So we're we're kind of always at a cash flow ceiling with with uh, merge in and merge them at at this point. And you know, but but as you know, with you know privacy concerns all over the place and mm-hmm. Apple kind of screwing up the ecosystem, <laughs> it's getting much harder to run traditional performance marketing campaigns. We're looking at alternative channels. No luck with TikTok. I mean, no substantial luck, but definitely luck in kind of other other places. And, you know, one of the things that we were looking at, you know, we, the year just ended, so I was looking at kind of our our, our books. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, if I didn't have to pay this thirty percent to Apple and Google, we would have been much. You know, our EBIT would have been strong. Yeah, and you're you know there's all these like outside of the app store stores that mm-hmm. you don't you know, I think that might be an interesting place to figure out how to do with casual to continue kind of growing. Does that give you some some response? Yeah, definitely. Clarity. Do you know what's funny? Actually, I've heard that like both of those theories. One that like you can't lose in a merge game. It seems so simple, and it seems like such a good thing for the player. But obviously, like from a business standpoint, there's all these implications. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing which I also agree with and I've used myself to describe it is merge games in some way aren't really like a game in the traditional sense like you're like moving objects together and like discovering yeah. new objects which I actually think it's like pretty cool and interesting for me but yeah to your point it's not a game in the sense of like a traditional game where there's like a goal or like something to beat or whatever there's like things you unlock and you're really just moving objects around the screen but honestly for me that's something that i like because when i'm not doing like more hardcore or more engaged gaming you know i like to just be doing something that is like barely occupying my my brain one of my one of my tricks and and all of my kind of senior staff know know this Mm -hmm. and i don't know if they agree with it is like these games like you should be designing this for somebody sitting sitting watching tv exactly with like you know a crying child in the corner (laughs) you know like so 
when we do our UI reviews, it's always like my initial. So I set myself up that I only see, I see the, you know, whatever it is we're reviewing, I mm -hmm. see it for the first time in, in a place where I can react to it. Yeah. And if my reaction is like, I don't understand this. Mm -hmm. My initial reaction, I don't understand this. And like, I'm, I'm freaking playing this game every day. Yeah. You know, that's, that's when we have to go back and, and, and kind of look at it. And it's the same with, with the, the tile design. It's like a lot of games suffer from this problem that their tiles look too similar. And mm -hmm. we have a, we have a couple competitors that have this problem, like mm -hmm. the big competitors where it's very difficult to tell apart the, the tiles at a glance. So I don't know if I gave that away to <laughs> or anything, but like we spent a lot of time doing that. But but I think like the thing is you can't. So games by nature have a loss state. Yeah. And that's what makes merge a little bit unusual because right. I guess the loss state is when you run out of energy, which is really boring. But if you give unlimited energy and this is actually. We added this unlimited energy thing and it, it like hurt monetization really bad. We we added it last week. So we got to We got to <laughs> We're too we're we're too generous with how much free energy we gave, but yeah, our our daily play time increased by twenty minutes. I, I can see that it's nuts. Okay, then my last one on the merge business, and then we'll move sure. to something else. So you know, as I mentioned before, obviously, and you know, you're well aware of this. Like a few years ago, you know, merge was seen as this like really really hot category and sort of like this goldmine, and then lots of people kind of got into the space. And you know, I think at this point. If you're a skeptic, you know, you could argue like, why do I need all these merge games? Like the category is way too saturated. Everyone has a merge game. They're not all that great. There's not that much time to play all of them, et cetera, et cetera. So if you were starting over today, would you build a merge game if you had to start from today? Yeah. I mean, I think like, I don't, it is saturated, right? It's just that there's, they're all just clones of the number one game. And mm -hmm. like, that's not, not nothing against the developers who do them. The, the strategy I think is we know how to promote this. We know how to do UA on this. Let's just quickly copy this game because we know that we can grow it, but that doesn't really give time to kind of make it good. And a lot of them are, are like that. Some of them are really good. Some, some of them do things a lot better than, than, than we do. I've been playing a bunch of the, these new ones so yeah, beautiful graphics, but the, like, I just want to throw my phone out the window. Like <laughs> there, you can't, I have such a hard time playing. It's so not interesting, mm -hmm. but so kind of the question is, will we do the same thing? I think like, I, I guess the, the question should be different. Like <laughs> we started doing finding core gameplays that we mm -hmm. can turn into big games. So I wouldn't change that. Yeah. I still think that there's plenty to do with merge. If you're a new studio that's looking at merge, you know, likes that kind of retention. I think I would be looking at, trying to trying to connect with uh male male players and mm -hmm. then you know I'm, i don't know if, how much i want to give away here but like being a male focus doesn't mean it has to be 3d and about war uh, male players tend to resonate with different different sort of progress yeah than than female players and i would love to actually our next portfolio game could be like a male focused merge game mm -hmm. because we know how to do it we have kind of an engine for it and i would love to crack that nut yeah, I mean, I'll definitely check it out. As as you know, I'm quite yeah. the merge fan. We, well, we we have a we have a secret prototype that that was released like two years ago. Oh, okay. Um, Maybe I'll have to get my hands on it. The, I mean, it's just merge in, but it's all like that uh, stuff. Um, it's just it's, it's interesting that it's sort of it sort of does work. 
Um, and I'm like, the thing is, it, it's all about what's, it's all about the deep game balance. And mm-hmm. it's about how you do your items is what kind of sets the game apart. And like, you know, if you look at Love and Pies, incredible artwork, like beautiful, mm-hmm. incredible, you know, I, I just, I don't know if that's necessary to, to, to really, because imagine doing live ops on that game. It's like, you need like 25 animators or I mean, I don't know. I, I love those guys. It's incredible. And Merge Mansion, you know, incredible. I don't know if it's worth having that crazy meta, but I would, you know, I'd also love to have a meta like that. Okay. And then, you know, obviously I've spent a lot of time talking about some of the games that I play, but you haven't really talked too much about the games that you're playing. So what are some of the games that you're playing today? They can be outside of the the merge category that's allowed. And, you know, sort of throughout your career, since you've been a gamer for so long, what are some of the games that have influenced you or just some of the games that you spent the most time on through your life? And, you know, for me, as a young, young kid, one of the earliest games I remember playing is Crash Bandicoot. You know, the Crash Bandicoot games got rebooted a few years ago, and then they just released Crash Bandicoot 4, like, a few years ago. But I actually just recently got into it. So I'm now playing through every single level, no deaths, collecting all the boxes. And that's a, a big, big challenge. So that's what I've been doing. But now tell me <laughs> uh, some of the games you, you're into. I think, like... um one of the things I learned is like, if you're, I, I mean, I'm in games because I love games mm-hmm. and I love the people in games. They're all weird nerds like me, but I don't really want to do console because because I love console games and I probably don't want to make at this point in my life to make the games that I actually like. Mm-hmm. So um, I think my first game is, was Prince of Persia and is, okay. I probably played it, a, a, probably a pirated Russian copy <laughs> on, a, on, a, on a dandy, which is like a weird Russian old computer thing mm-hmm. i'm also a big fan of like alley cat and arkanoid those are old like dos games from the art from kind of arcade genre i grew up playing that but like things that really influenced me over time so i love i love the lucas arts adventure games all the sierra online games i even have some of the original boxes mm-hmm. that you know that maybe are worth some money now i don't know <laughs> um though, but those games really influenced me growing up when I was little and I tell people especially investors that I, I learned how to speak English through these adventure games I don't know if that's I, probably not true <laughs> it's a good but, line though but it's like I literally like you know I I have the nostalgia that I do is I I, I pull up DOS box there's there's a there's a, a MIDI uh, a MIDI system called Roland that that delivered much okay. better audio than than the standard kind of uh, sound blaster MIDI so mm-hmm. sometimes I pull up these old games and I uh, I play them with with kind of the the, the Roland uh, ROM. That's I think uh, probably illegal. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but like Police Quest Three was okay. scored by Jan Hammer, who who's like famous for the the Miami Vice theme. So okay. I literally sometimes just open the game to listen to the music. Um, so that's kind of like that's my that's the nerd out stuff. Mm-hmm. But I mean games that really resonate close close to my heart um and and more recent games mm-hmm. you know if you for, for the for the <laughs> that aren't 37 i'm a huge fan of of like games with a linear story so mm-hmm. like like life is strange that series mm-hmm. is in, incredibly close I and mean, like i i love that like life is strange is kind of a double a game mm-hmm. from uh, the, the studios called don't nod it's like you can tell that this this scene cost way too much but they needed <laughs> to put it because it's you know resonates another uh game that that really was very important to me. It was called Gone Home. Mm-hmm. It's an exploration game. Americans love this word home. I mean, maybe, <laughs> maybe English speakers because it has so many meanings. Yeah. I don't think it has a good translation into Russian. So for me, it's always like th- this word, it's like a dual bintander or whatever, f- mm-hmm. 50 in tander. And it's interesting because 
Gone Home looks like a Quake 2 level. Mm-hmm. And like that was my childhood, you know, Quake 1, Quake 2, Half-Life. Mm-hmm. The game kind of looks like that kind of game and it's called and it's about exploring a house mm-hmm. and like it 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 has this like god you know i'm i'm kind of home playing this game even though the story's about well you have to play it to, to find out and then the 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 game that really kind of in, indie game that 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 really blew me away last year was subnautica it was it was sitting on my to do on steam for ages i finally got it and i think i played it for 2 years straight oh wow and it's i don't know if have you played that subnautica? i have not no so it's like and those guys used to do Half-Life mods oh, okay. that I didn't like. <laughs> so um, so I think that was one of the reasons. So I, I didn't like, what was it called? Anyway, I didn't like their, that game back in the day, Natural Selection and then Natural mm-hmm. Selection 2. I didn't like those games. So I'm like, this subnaut is going to suck. And then what it is, is like, it's a mix of sort of survivally crafting but there is a very there's a deep story and mm-hmm. in the first game anyway is incredibly scary. What I like about it is there is a linear story, but there isn't really like directions on how to unlock the story and you mm-hmm. kind of have to figure it out. So there's a huge discovery element. I just it's like a almost a perfect experience or a perfect experience that I'm still playing and I, there's still creatures I haven't found. Mm-hmm. I've been playing this game for like two years, <laughs> probably because it's just so scary in a way that's not you know, Resident Evil zombies. And then lately, I, I don't know if you played the Hogwarts game, but that's... Uh, no, yeah, it's on my to-do list. That's an interesting one when you play it. The world in that game is pretty stale. Like, it's mm-hmm. beautiful. And, you know, if you've read the books, I've read all the books. Not that I'm into it. I just... They're just so easy to read. Yeah. It's an interesting game design question. Like, how would you, how would you on, a, on a normal budget, make this world more interactive? Yeah. And I think Red Dead kind of solved that a little mm-hmm. bit with kind of a stale giant world but um yeah overall it's, an, it's a really cool game and and like there's a certain part where you can collect animals and of course like my freaking habitat is full of cats <laughs> my, my wife says get more cats <laughs> yeah i have um, to check it out subnautica also sounds really interesting i honestly don't play enough indie games but it sounds really interesting i'm also really big into just like horror and scary stuff in general i to this day have not played a video game that for me is scary so definitely like looking for recommendations the thing with with subnautica especially if you don't cheat like if you don't read anything it's all about like the sound design and Mm -hmm. then because like i'm not gonna spoil it but you should try it like it's not scary like jump scare scary even though that that is a thing it's Mm -hmm. more like you know you can see how deep you are yeah in the the water everything Mm -hmm. is black and then you heard something new yeah and you're like what the hell's that (laughs) <laughs> there's a great gdc talk from someone at unknown worlds and it's like they, they didn't want to make a horror game but they sort of did but it worked out uh incredibly um and then i guess like i could name drop some some casual like i i like i like card games i'm like a, mm-hmm. a big card game fan that's kind of some of the stuff we did at sheen zone was just parlor games and i started getting getting into kind of like just how, how many ways can you make a solitaire game that's, <laughs> so there, there's a lot of these like uh solitaire story and things like that mm-hmm. i'm a big fan of family island it, the graphics are so bad but, <laughs> like it it works somehow and that's always interesting like because merge them graphics aren't so great but people mm-hmm. like them and then vampire survivor if you haven't played that on on steam that game is like i drain my phone battery on that game i got yelled at by the wife <laughs> <laughs> I have to uh, check it out. That's I think uh, Vampire Survivor is uh, on mobile anyway. You know, it it could be kind of a genre starter. It's like a it's like a ro- rogue like 
io game basically yeah I'll, I'll check it out okay and you mentioned merge zone a few times but we haven't really talked about it in much detail right and so you know everyone knows the macro environment is a lot less favorable than it was over the last couple of years uh, actually the last several years before that and because of this you know basically every day in the news you're hearing xyz tech company or xyz gaming company is laying off whatever percent of their employees but interestingly, you are going in the opposite direction and actually investing more, and you just made an acquisition of this game, Merge Zone. And so why did you decide to make this acquisition, especially at this time? Yeah, I mean, uh, so, you know, I'm not, I can't take credit for, I'm not, I'm not that smart, but like, <laughs> we had an opportunity to, so again, like, all, all your VC buddies, like, <laughs> buying IP is usually not a good idea, because no one will want to work with like, so you have a development team. They're not going to want to work with foreign code. Mm-hmm. So it always is an, is a nightmare knowing that we knew the developers have merged them bigger games. They're mm-hmm. really cool, smart guys. You know, they, they didn't want to continue pushing this game. Mm-hmm. They wanted to use their resources on kind of a new game. And it makes sense because they're, they're small. So my thought was, okay, even if this game is a piece of shit code wise, I know we can grow it on the UA side. I, I sort of knew the stack that they were running on, on UA and I think mm-hmm. we could have improved it. So the bet was always like, even if we totally suck, even if we totally mess up, we can probably, you know, get this game running at least as, as good as our, as Merge in as our, as mm-hmm. our kind of number one title. Uh, it's like, okay, so if we don't totally suck, <laughs> we can probably also get some cross promotion out of it. Mm-hmm. So, and there, you know, and then again, VC guys, cross motion <laughs> usually doesn't work and doesn't scale. It just, it, it just, it's, di- it's very difficult. And before ATT, it was like, well, you could just do performance marketing. Mm-hmm. But now that now that it's very difficult to target, cross motion kind of starts to make sense again. And I had experience with cross promotion at, at, at a previous company where we we did some very deep kind of cross promo placements between very similar genre games, and it worked great. Mm-hmm. So the idea is, okay, okay, if we totally suck, we can do UA. If we sort of suck we could do ua and cross promo so that's already a win if we can get five ten percent cross promo and make sure that those use the users that are coming through are, are you know high, high quality mm-hmm. high ltv users like i think we can do it then if like if we just if we if our suckiness is like borderline mm-hmm. probably we can improve the game so then our our investors kind of helped us put together the money and and, mm-hmm. and put that deal through so when we got the game, our developers looked at it and they're like, hey, this is actually not bad. Like we can work with this. <laughs> yeah. And we've actually have, <laughs> we have developers, this is the first time that said, hey, can I, I'm, I'm done with merge in. Can I work on merge them? Like interesting. This, is, this is an interesting challenge. And yeah. I was like, dude, if you want to go in there, go <laughs> ahead. So I think that that shows the quality of kind of, you know, wor- working with, with a dev team that kind of knows their thing. I think it was an extremely calculated, I wouldn't say high risk. Again, mm-hmm. like even if we totally suck, we could just bring the game up on, on UA. Mm-hmm. The bigger question is how much can we scale it? At the very least, we can, we can add content. I want to apply our tile rules to, mm-hmm. to the merge them tiles. So I, I think we're good there. And then I guess maybe as a follow-up thought, it's like, would I do another kind of roll-up? I definitely think that there's a certain level, like a certain DAO level that you you would just make a, a new game instead yeah. of buying. But in this case, it was, you know, the deal was pretty lucrative. So that was my first M&A where, or I mean, the first M&A in general, that was, I, I think, pretty successful so far. And we managed to do it in a month. That's awesome. You hear that, you hear that <laughs> M&A people? One month. <laughs> That's awesome. And then 
you know, last one on the macro, right? So you also mentioned you raised uh, quite a bit of funding recently. And again, you know, don't need to too much of a, re a recap, right? But like everyone knows VC funding is down sharply, you know, yeah. da, 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 da. So what was the fundraising process like for you? Right. I mean, we could probably do this for an hour. But I think, so we raised in, in 21, we didn't have Mergin. And I was talking to, you know, you have like, you know, my friend at Scopely, I think just sent us like, these are the people you have to talk to. Yeah. So we just started talking to everybody. And I was thinking, hey, like I can iterate and we'll make this, we'll make this deck better with everyone we talk to. So we had, you know, like 25 iterations of the mm -hmm. deck. And, and I think if I remember the math correctly, it was like, we had 30 conversations I think four or something had follow-ups and then two kind of led to term sheets sort yeah. of. But the takeaway is there's no gimmicks. You have to boil down what you're doing into something extremely digestible and you have to have some numbers to back it up. Mm -hmm. And if you're like a random person like Arsene and you don't have a reputation, it's good that we had some some ex-Rovio folks that they're working mm -hmm. with us because that kind of gives you a little bit of like, why well, do I want to talk to that random Russian guy? Yeah. Um, <laughs> If you don't have any of that kind of clout, you're going to have to network just because like it's it's just human nature where if you have eight phone calls a day of like some some guy pitching you hyper casual games, mm -hmm. it's like, well, I should talk. To, I should listen to that guy because of that clout or because of that reputation. And like, again, a lot of this is some, you have to simplify your pitch. And and like you, you've heard more more pitches than me, but it's like <laughs> if I really wanted to talk about really what the company was doing it's mm -hmm. not a 30 minute 10 10 slide yeah. conversation it has to be much it has to be super simplified and you have to have numbers to back up what the hell you're saying so it's incredibly difficult to unless you're doing like web three uh six months ago you <laughs> have to have something that kind of backs up what you're saying so i guess how did that go for us so you know we basically launched merge in started getting early numbers and at that point we had you know we we're kind of talking to some some vcs that we we're friendly with I remember one a famous guy was like, I don't get this game. <laughs> and then I saw him recently and I was like, oh yeah, you didn't get it, huh? <laughs> and you know, I didn't say that. That should, yeah. should never be rude to anybody. But yeah. um, uh, the, the point is when we talked to play, I think I liked the trust that, mm -hmm. that uh, Harry and, and Henrik kind of gave us immediately. Like, can you, <laughs> so I, I think the data request was like, can you just show me these raw cohorts? Yeah, And I'm like, this is enough data that I could just write this myself. Like, mm -hmm. I, I get my wife to Photoshop this. <laughs> uh, so, and I like I like that because like he knew, you know, if we wanted to pull a fast one, we could. Yeah. But like, obviously, we weren't going to. Yeah. And I like that. So that really resonated because from from the developer side, all these VCs are the same. It's like a bunch <laughs> of guys that look like Chris. And like, you're not wearing the. The, whatever the, the the vest you're supposed to yeah, wear yeah yeah <laughs> and and none of them really know games so sometimes when you get folks that know games that's cool but the most is when when you get trust mm -hmm. so i think it's like that everyone always says that it's like a marriage or a relationship that's sort of true because i talk to those guys all the time mm -hmm. they know how to talk to me i know how to talk to them i've henrik has got given me a lot of weird life advice but mm -hmm. i appreciate that and i, I more more needs to keep coming and, and i like that I guess the last comment is these aren't your bosses. Mm -hmm. These are kind of your folks that'll give you advice and you don't have to follow it. And it's a great sounding board overall. So I think I would love to do a longer conversation that maybe some pocket gamer about how, how we raised because it's it, it really is about clout and being able to boil down what the hell you're doing into into super simple dummy terms.
Mm -hmm. And so I actually did see the pitch in the relatively early days. I'm just curious how much of the pitch, the, er the earlier version of the pitch was focused on merge in versus we have these casual concepts that we are working yeah. on. Because I don't, so I, I think like I was talking to you and it was more like we're going to build some cool games. And then I saw merge in and I had no idea it was you. And I saw original games and I was like, is this the same original games? <laughs> because this is completely different from what I saw previously. Yeah. And that's a thing. So uh, see, I'm not, I'm not making anything up. Uh, <laughs> our initial pitch, our initial pitch was we want to do hyper casual, cool games and, and make them into full games. And that's mm -hmm. what happened with merge in. But the, the thing is that pitch of I'm going to make a hundred games and <laughs> one is going to work that's kind of weak. Like yeah. it really should have been, we have this amazing concept. Yeah. We're going to do this. That's it. That, because that's just like, that's easier to swallow when you're talking nebulously. I mean, dude, one of the versions of this deck was like a giant flow chart of how we <laughs> create games. And I remember I did that to, to someone and they're yeah. like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. It's a little tougher. It's tough. Especially if you're listening to, you know, how many guys a day. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, of course, much better to say, hey, like, we have, this is the concept. Mm -hmm. uh, this is where it's going. We don't have any numbers yet, but this is going to be awesome. That yeah. could, that's much better than, than you know, <laughs> we're smart. <laughs> yeah. All right, cool. So, you, you know, you've given a lot of advice to the listeners out there, and you've accomplished quite a bit in your career. But going forward, you know, what do you ultimately want your impact to be? You know, how do you want to either influence the gaming industry or, you know, maybe it's smaller and just like, what do you want original games to become or what do you want to accomplish in your career? Yeah. And I think it's more, it's more personal than, than about company, but mm -hmm. like my goal has always been to do cool stuff. Mm -hmm. I want to continue doing cool stuff. And that is, that is actually kind of an ego to ego ish response, <laughs> right? Because yeah. what is cool stuff than something that makes me happy. It's not taking into account, you know, our staff and, yeah. and our customers. It's just about me wanting to do cool stuff. <laughs> So, but I think like that's the thesis that drives everything. But for, for the company, I love doing casual games. And one of the things that I like about casual is like Virgin is purposely generic. Mm -hmm. That was one of the, you know, don't make it too, don't make it too specific because you're alienating a yeah. massive amount of players. These folks don't think that they're players. They're, they don't think that they're playing a game in some cases. They think a game is Harry Potter and, yeah. and, the, and the Candy Crush on your phone is just Candy Crush, right? Mm -hmm. So what I love about casual is... I can take that simplicity and add a little bit of myself into it. I mean, in Merge In, like one of these, like one of these characters looks like me as a baby for some reason, <laughs> um, or like you know, nice Easter the, eggs for the fans out there. I mean, yeah, my, my <laughs> wife is one of the artists. Oh, it's very weird, very weird. Uh, but, but like, the, and it, I mean, it's not about like putting my mom in or whatever. It's yeah, like. Yeah. Um, like okay there's a rabbit character and she has a ton of kids so i'm yeah, one of those kids yeah, and i think yeah. that's the funny thing okay there's a rabbit that has a ton of kids haha ha. like i don't know that's funny <laughs> so i want to just keep doing that and then you know if you want to if you want to dig into kind of the philosophy of, of some of these questions like what mm -hmm. what do you want to accomplish in your career what what impact do you want to have like well what impact well i have probably none mm -hmm. um but i love finding the truth of, i love finding the soul of, of mm -hmm. something and like I'm in the position, thankfully, that I, I'm sort of, I can find the soul of something. I can mm -hmm. deconstruct the game. I can deconstruct a person. And, and that motivates me. So, yeah, keep keep doing the games. I like the games. <laughs> I, I appreciate the conversation. I think it went in a lot of, like, really interesting, unique directions. So, yeah, let's just cut it there. Thanks for taking the time. This was a, a really great conversation. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, 
folks want to reach out to me, I'm sure you can find me somehow on LinkedIn.